So good morning. It's um, a fortunate thing that those of us at Harrison Church have been investing ourselves in spiritual practices over these last several weeks, even since the beginning of the year. And I say that because now we have all the time we need if you want to catch up with some of those. We have time for prayer. We have time for meditation. We have time for solitude. We have time for scripture reading, fasting. We have time for worship, even if it is in a creative way, a way that may be different for most of us. But we also are in a time when our spiritual disciplines must elevate to the level to meet a need in our community, to meet a need in our church family and beyond. Our spiritual disciplines now are such that we begin letter writing. Some of you remember how to do that. Send notes to people who you are missing. Email them if that's your preferred way of communicating. We're going to have some classes online, so we invite you to zoom in for those so that we can still be in the discipline of small group and conferencing together. We have lots of time to practice the spiritual disciplines that are traditional. We have so much time now to practice creative disciplines, ways that will keep us together as a body of Christ, even in these most challenging of times. This morning, I'm going to be reading from the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. I'm going to be in the 8th chapter, beginning with the 22nd verse, a familiar story. One day he, Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they put out, and while they were sailing, he fell asleep. And a windstorm swept down over the lake, and the boat was filling with water, and they were in danger. And they went to him and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he woke up, and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. They ceased, and there was calm. And he said to them, Where's your faith? They were afraid and amazed and said to one another, Who then is this that he even commands the winds and the water? And they obey him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in thy sight. Come, Holy Spirit, in this place, in our homes, Come and fill us with worship of you so that we may be faithful today wherever it is we find ourselves. For it's in the name of Christ that we worship together. Amen. So I had to make a quick trip to Atlanta at the end of this week. And it was so interesting to me because I made a couple of stops along the way and got off the highway to get gas. And at that time, there were folks in the station that were wiping down handles. And I began to see that, indeed, something was different. I've never seen somebody in a convenience station wiping down the, the door handle before. And I stopped at Cracker Barrel for lunch, one of my favorite sites, and went in there to pick up something to go. And I saw some of the servers with masks on their faces. And again, another reminder that things were different, at least at the moment. 
in the car as I was riding down. I, I listened to the news intermittently, and it sounded like things were changing all day long. We heard news of schools closing and universities going to online instruction. And we heard news of things being canceled, concerts being canceled, conferences being canceled. We heard news of people afraid because their hours were being reduced at work. Fearful of what it would mean for their lives to lose wages day to day. Of course, the stock market was down and then up and then down again. And it just went on all day. And then if you were like me, like any good North Carolinian, you heard the news that March Madness was canceled. And that was particularly upsetting. Not as serious as some of the other things, but it felt like in a way we, that we were entering into our own stage of March Madness just off the court seemed so different. It was so different. And all along the way, your staff was determined to worship this morning. We were bound and determined. We were having conferencing on the phone and so forth and, and emailing to one another. What should we do? Well, we should just print fewer bulletins. What should we do? We should let 65-year-olds, those older than 65, know that it's okay if you worship from home. It, it might be safer that way. We wanted to let people know that if they weren't feeling well, stay away. These were all of the recommendations that were being given to us. We said we will greet each other with a fist bump or an elbow bump or just with a nod and a smile. And we were doing it. We were ready. We wanted to gather to worship so badly. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands was part of our mantra. And then, as Pastor Kyle said... The bishop made the decision for us, and for the sake of our neighbors, I liked the way he put it, for the sake of our neighbors, for our community, state, nation, world, for the sake of others, perhaps it's best that we don't worship together for the next two weeks. So that is what we are doing. We are not together in body. However, we are undeterred by this social distancing that we are now experiencing. We are going to worship together in spirit today and next week. And as long as we need to, we will not be deterred from worship. Not here and not in churches all across this city, state, nation. We will worship to God, if not in body, then absolutely in spirit. Because it's who we are. It's how we are shaped. It's how we are claimed and that we remember of God's presence with us no matter the storms of life that come. And they do. We all know that in one way or another. We all face challenges and trials and uncertainties. But what is defining for us is our worship. God's claim on us, the Spirit's empowering of us, and then our witness to others. So those who are on the shore and not yet in the boat would still know of God's goodness and God's love and God's willingness to be the body of Christ in us as we worship and then, of course, as we serve in Christ's name. So this morning we have this, this story, you all know it. This beautiful story is found in three of the four Gospels. And it is the story of the disciples putting out onto the Sea of Galilee. 
And they are out there and, and a storm comes up and the winds sweep across the water. As one of the gospels says, it's a squall. And the storms come up and, and the disciples are getting frantic and they want to know how is, what's going to happen. Will, will they perish? What's going to happen? Why is Jesus asleep? What's going to happen? Doesn't he care? Doesn't he want to help them in this moment of need? In this moment of fear? And it's interesting to me that, that when we think about our response to fear, so often we come at fear with the question of what if? Fear often leads us to speculation. What if? What if the, the storm overtakes the boat? What if the boat doesn't hold together? What if the water comes in the boat? What if it breaks apart? What if we have to swim to shore? Gee, Jesus. What if there are no boats to help us out in our time of trial? They're in desperation too. What if we can't swim? And, and you can just feel the fear and the frantic nature of what's going on in that boat. What if? is a question of fear and it's natural and we have it all the time especially in the face of uncertainty especially in the face of of not knowing exactly what will come next and yet in the midst of our questions our questioning the disciples questionings Jesus wakes up or they wake him up they're pretty bold they wake him up and, and he says in his own way by the end of the story, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of, my disciples? What are you afraid of? People of God, what are you afraid of? Well, we're afraid the boat will fall apart. We're afraid the storm will overtake us. We're afraid to shake hands with our neighbor. We're afraid to open a door at a convenience store at a church. We're afraid. We're afraid of these things going on around us that we have no control over. We're just afraid. And we begin to ask our own questions of what if. What if school is out till the end of the school year? What if the kids have to stay home all of that time? What if my hours are limited at work? and my wages go down what if my parent my elderly parent catches the coronavirus and what if even worse I gave it to him what if it's just so often the question that we use when facing fear it's no different now than it was then nor is Jesus' response to us and our questions of what if any different than what he answered to the disciples back in that boat about to be blown apart by a storm? What are you afraid of, people of God? I'm in the boat. I'm in the boat. I am with you. I can command the winds and the seas. Just stand back and watch. I kind of love that. Jesus is bold. What if is not the question that we need to dwell on for long because Jesus is in the boat. And Jesus has the power to care for those of us in the boat as well as those of us on the shore. What if 
is a question only for the moment. And perhaps the question of faith for those of us asking what if, for those of us who are fearful in these times of uncertainty, perhaps the question that we move to quickly is who's got it? Who's got this situation? Who is in control of our lives and everyone else's? Who's got this? And we know by faith that God's got it. God has it. God who cares infinitely for every single person on this planet. God's got it here in Charlotte. All around North Carolina, our country and beyond. That's the answer. That's the question of faith that we not only ask, but that we also answer. Because not everybody knows that. Sure, we'd like for another miracle to occur, for Jesus not just to calm the storm, the waves and the winds and the seas. We would like that other miracle where Jesus comes and just wipes out whatever virus is out there that has some very real threat to many people. But in the meantime... As we ask who's got this, as we answer who's got this as a people of faith, we then move into ministry because that's our call as the body of Christ now. Who's got this? Jesus Christ does. And how is it the world will know? The body of Christ, the church, will respond amidst our own fears answering our own question of who's got this because those of us in the boat have a witness to share to those on the shore we pray for our own strength our own faith to be strengthened for our grace to be upon us for our willingness to move from what if to the question of who's got this and then for our willingness to take that answer into our lives and live as if we believe it because we know it bottom of our souls. What I have found so interesting in reflecting over this time of, of, of uncertainty in our country was that so often people seem to respond to difficulty by coming together. There have been events in our national history where people remember where they were when a certain event happened. So many times those events are tragic and challenging and there are questions of what if in the air and yet the practice seems to be, at least for Americans, that we come together and that we stand as one. Where were you when JFK was assassinated? Many of you remember. Where were you when Martin Luther King was assassinated? Many of you remember. And the country <clears throat> moved together in grief one of the first national tragedies I remember was when the Challenger blew up in the mid-80s. I was in the cafeteria in Dalton High School in Dalton, Georgia. I remember the teacher running in and, and turning on the, the TVs, the monitors, such as they were in the cafeteria at that time. I, I remember just the collective grief, the collective sadness, the, the questioning of what happened. I remember where I was on 9-11. I was at home with my two-year-old, cradling innocence as we witnessed a great evil. 
And I remember again how the country came together, how we reached out to one another, how we rallied, how in the midst of tragedy, uncertainty, fear, we came together. I remember that churches were full the weeks following those attacks. I remember that prayer was increased all over. You could feel it following the weeks when the Twin Towers came down, I remember just this sense of neighbor loving neighbor. When we were at our best, we loved neighbor regardless of background, religion, ethnicity, language, culture. We loved our neighbors when we were being our most faithful in response to that national tragedy. And what I find to be so difficult in this particular time, in this season of uncertainty... In this time of some real fears and some times of speculation, what is so different now is that we are told that in response to what is going on around us, we are to separate from one another. And that doesn't make sense for most of us. And that doesn't make sense to people of faith. This time of social discipline, uh, distancing, this time of social distancing. I never heard that phrase until last week. We're told that for safety, for protection, for the ongoing good, for the recovery, for the healing, we're told to be separate. And I wonder and I pray and I study and I think, how in the world are we supposed to support one another? In this particular season, and I find in scripture, I find in prayer, I find in study, I I find that the only way for us to be together is the best way. And that's in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where our connection is found in a time of social distance. That's when the people of God perhaps are reminded that there is nothing that separates us from the love of God. Not heights, nor depths, nor principalities, nor power, nor virus. We come together in one way or another, but always mindful that the Spirit of God connects us. The Spirit of God is present. The Spirit of God is in the boat And we are his people. And that makes all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference in this season. Thank you, Lord, that even when distance might be necessary, we know that we are not apart. We're the people of your spirit. Amen. And let us pray. Indeed, O God, you calm the storms of our life. You bring peace to a season of uncertainty. More than that, Lord, you enliven your church, though perhaps separated by physical location, never, ever separated in spirit. Forbid it to be so. Help us to be truly your people, bearing witness to your goodness, to your willingness to to have it. To have the whole world in your hands, including us. God, you've got this. Help people of faith to live as if we believe it. 
Help us to bear witness to those on the shore so that they would know that in and through us, you are alive in challenging times. Help us, God, to be faithful this day and every day, no matter where it is we find ourselves. For it's in your name that we live, even as it is in your name that we pray. Amen. I just want to add my thanksgiving to the staff and to all who came together to make this time of worship possible. We acted quickly and creatively, and I'm just thankful that there are people smarter than me that know how to get all this together. But now hear this benediction. Fear focuses on the what-if question. Fear dwells on the what-if question. People of faith ask, who's got this? People of faith live, who's got this? And that is our Savior, Jesus Christ. Go in peace and know that God's got it. Amen.